What a blessing to know that we are complete in Christ. We may not feel complete, but it's not up to our feelings. It's up to the Word of God, what it says. John chapter 21, many of you are familiar with the passage that we will be reading here, beginning in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, When you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spake, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain until I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We're thankful today that we have the ability to meet as we are here, that you've given us this privilege, and yet, Lord, if it's just up to us gathering, we will have met in vain. We need your Spirit to do the ministering. Lord, there's no way that I personally can do that, and so we pause at this time to acknowledge our dependence on you, and and in a desperate state, Lord, we need to hear from you. I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding to see your will and your ways for our lives, and then, Lord, that we would joyfully go and walk in your ways. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. When I was a youngster growing up in southern Minnesota, um, I just vaguely remember in Minnesota they couldn't sell oleo or margarine. I think the National Farmers Organization of Minnesota was a very strong union at that time, and they outlawed the sale of margarine or oleo. How many of you remember calling it oleo, okay? And um, 
So living in southern Minnesota, people would go into Iowa and buy margarine. And if they were going to do that, they'd say, hey, we're going to Iowa. You want us to, yeah, pick us up. And and just vaguely, I remember um, the black market of the oleo market. You know what I'm saying? Um, and as I thought, of, I don't know why this even came to mind this week other than than the substitutes that that are provided. You know, you see these ads, this margarine is better than butter. And um, I've always been a firm believer in butter. And they're starting to find out, boy, I can tell where we're at. You get an amen out of something like that, you know. (laughs) But studies have proven that butter is better for you than margarine or oleo. So uh, if you hang around long enough, usually the studies will come around to what you like, all right? You remember all these studies that this is bad for your heart? Oh, no, now this is good for your heart, all right? Mark it down. Nobody gets out of here alive, all right? So um, at any rate. But it was a big thing, this substitute for butter. And people believed butter was bad for you or it was cheaper. And so it was substituted for butter. and uh, And yet... No matter what, there's nothing like putting genuine butter on a hot piece of homemade bread. I mean, you put anything else on that, and it's just not the same, all right? So we, we agree by your amen that there is no substitute for butter. Um, there's a lot of things that, that put themselves off as substitutes for butter. But there really isn't. There's no substitute for what God makes. Um, When God made the human joints, we have artificial joints now, but they're not the same as what God makes. Nothing as good as what God makes. But oftentimes we are choosing the substitutes of what God has given us for the real thing. And they're they're very, very close. Wednesday night, we started a new series on how people change. And I have read the chapter that we, in the book, that we saw Wednesday night. I'd seen the video previously to seeing it Wednesday night. And yet, Wednesday night, as we went through it, I was challenged with these truths that I have just not been able to get off my mind. And I thought, man, I, I know most of you are more ready learners than I am, but I read it, I saw it, and finally when I saw it the second time, some of this started clicking and it has been a, a challenge and a blessing to me to think on these things that this morning we're going to delve into it a little bit more. He mentioned Wednesday night, and we've all been there. When you buy your kid a present 
And he opens it up, takes it out of the present, and plays with the box. And he likened it unto this aspect that we have been given the greatest gift ever given in Jesus Christ. And we oftentimes set him aside, not on purpose, but we set him aside and we focus on other things. We have substitutes for Christ. And, and I want us to look this morning at these things that as Christians we are tempted to substitute for Christ and, and not, not consciously. It's not that we'll say, oh yeah, I want to sub out Christ and put this in. We don't do that. It just, it just happens. The first one is called formalism or churchism. That, that the Christian life is reduced to church participation and ministries. That, okay, I'm going to do the Christian life. I'm a follower of Christ. So what it means is I immerse myself in the church and the Christian life is the church. And I'm, I attend the meetings. I help some in the ministries. And, and that's the Christian life. What's evidence that you're a Christian? Well, I go to such and such a church. I go to Grace Baptist Church. I'm faithful to the services. I do this and that. Now, All these things that we're going to mention today, um, let me just give you a heads up. All of them definitely have their place, but they're no substitute for Jesus Christ. And in some of these that we go through, because we're all different, some of these will say, wow, I really like this thing. And, And others will say, well, that one didn't bother me so much, but... I really like this thing. What are you saying? We shouldn't do it. No, all of these, and we'll come back. That's just, I'm giving you that a heads up, okay, so you don't pitch the baby out with the bathwater before we get there, all right? Church is very important. Um, next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be, we'll be dealing specifically with, with what God says about church and membership. But, We can be involved in a church, and it's a substitute for Christ. The church may be talking about Christ, but it's still a substitute. And it still allows me to maintain control of my life and my time and my agenda rather than submitting fully to Jesus Christ. It oftentimes blinds me to my spiritual condition. I, well, I'm good. Man, I, I'm attending these services. I'm involved in this. When care group needs help, I help. I'm a good guy. I'm a good lady. I'm active in this. But oftentimes it blinds us to our true spiritual condition. There's a second area that um, has been identified, a second substitute has been identified as legalism. 
where there is a, a set of rules. These are the rules of the Christian life. And if you're going to be a good Christian, you do these things and you don't do these things. And um, some find security in that. Hey, I'm, I'm doing this and this and this, this command and this command, and I'm trying not to do this and this and this. And I, I think this last week I, I did pretty good at it. But the problem is there really is no joy in this type of life because there is no victory to be celebrated. I, I may have done fine here, but i got to do it again tomorrow. And... There is no grace to be celebrated. Often one of the dangers, if, if I don't keep the rules, then I feel like a loser. If I do keep the rules, then our pride says, well, I'm keeping the rule. Look, they're not keeping that rule. And oh, I see them, they're not keeping that rule. Or we can keep the rules, so to speak, but still have glaring sins of impatience and arrogance and and they're untouched by our life. There is another substitute. So getting involved in a church can be a substitute for a personal growing relationship with Christ. Having a list. Look at I'm I'm trying to keep this list, and I I want to keep this list. Can be a substitute for a personal relationship with Christ. A third substitute can be emotionalism, seeking an emotional experience, constantly hunting for a spiritual high in in whatever ways that that it might be. More pursuit of an experience than a pursuit of God. Oh, this was such a wonderful service. It made me feel so wonderful. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. I felt wonderful. Now, the Christian life should involve emotions. I mean... It ought to thrill our heart. It ought to involve emotions. And sad to say, many times we don't have any emotion. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Yeah, do you really believe God is great and mighty? My wife is so great. She is wonderful to me. Oh, really? Yeah? You believe that? What did he say? I took my hearing aid out so I could get this in, so I didn't hear. But it, it, <laughs> no, I'm not sucking. He says, I'm sucking up for chocolate cake. I already know it's chocolate pie. (laughs) 
the Christian life ought to involve emotion. But there are many that they, oh, there's going to be this great conference here. Oh, we had such a wonderful service. It made me just feel so wonderful. And there's a high and then pure. We substitute feeling good about something for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A fourth aspect that was mentioned is activism. A focus on the external evils around us. Look at this is bad. And there's no limit to the external evils. The breakdown of the home, sex trafficking, abortion, um, indebtedness, laziness, on and on and on. You could list. And, and we, we can fight against and defend what is right. And many times we fail to focus on the evils of our own heart. I visited with a pastor friend of mine this week that has been in a church six months. In the church in six months, he's had to deal with four major issues of moral impurity or perversion. We tend to gravitate to external problems and not deal with our, the problems of our own heart. And like I said, all these things we ought to do. We, we ought to defend what is right and hate what is evil. But Christian, matu- Christian maturity becomes defined Genuinely speaking, it starts in our own heart as we dealt with last week. Take the beam out of our own eye. Then we can see clearly to deal with the others. We substitute standing for right for a relationship with Christ. Another substitute is biblicism. We can immerse ourselves into the Bible and, and we know the knowledge. We know uh, what Revelation is all about. We know the prophecies of Ezekiel. We know Daniel. We know Genesis. We know about the, the creation theories. We know how to debunk evolution. We know all these things. We have a great knowledge of the Word of God. And can talk about it for hours. And we master the word, but we don't allow it to master us. We have a knowledge. There's another aspect that I called it helpism. That Jesus is a cure-all. That um, Jesus will fix this, and Jesus will take care of that, and Jesus is the answer to this. And we see Jesus more as a therapist than a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. 
He's not just here to fix things. And it's often, I want, here, Jesus, I want you to fix this. And then if he does, okay, there's Jesus. Or if he doesn't, well, you didn't fix it, so. And we use that as a substitute. The last one they mentioned was socialism, not the socialism that is being crammed down our throat that you take from the rich and give to the poor. Um, not that socialism. The, the socialism is that you see the church as a spiritual social club. And when the club changes, then our motivation to continue is lost. For example, I'll, I'll just use this as an illustration. I'm not picking on kids. Kids grow up. They're in the church. They have friends in the church. The friends are in the church. And they grow up. And friends go off to college. And they come back at various times. And then a lot of them get married and go on to someplace else. Or they just go on to someplace else and don't come back. And now for the one that's still here, oh, going to church isn't the same anymore. A bunch of old folks around. Or it happens with old, old folks. I can say that now because I, I am one, okay? You know, so-and-so moved away and they were my best friend or... Or, you know, so-and-so died, and, and all my friends are dying, and, man, going to church just isn't the same anymore. And we substitute our Christian friendships for Christ. Why should I go to church? My friends aren't there. See, All of these can be good things, and they have their place. And they emphasize certain parts of the Christian life. And we often choose the one that is most attractive and comfortable for us to really zero in on, or maybe two or three. But I can participate in... This Christianity that I've defined, and I can still be on the throne of my heart and self still be ruling. It makes me feel good to know that that um, people in the church can come to me with Bible questions because they know I am a Bible student. Or it makes me feel good, man. I am thankful for the church family. We are a we are a happy family. Well, what if your little group gets disrupted? See, all of these things have their place. But we miss Christ. To, to bring it down to a... An illustration. 
we are the bride of Christ. So to make the illustration, let's let's just say that um, the illustration using my wife and I in our marriage, that I go to meetings regularly and and we study the virtues of Maryland. And I keep this schedule. And I also have this list. I know Marilyn doesn't like this. No, I'm not going to do that. And I know she really likes this. So I'm going to do that. And look at, I'm, I'm being a good boy, aren't I? I'm doing what's... And I am out fighting against things that break down marriage. And I'm fighting for marriage. And I study everything about marriage. I know the origin of marriage. I know the details and history of marriage. I can tell you everything about marriage. And I want her to help me. But you know what? If I never build a relationship with her, I've missed the point. God doesn't want people that just fight for him. He wants people that walk with him. He doesn't want people just take a stand. Take a stand. Are you willing to take a stand to carve out of your schedule time alone with God and time to walk with God and time to know God? Not to know his rules. And you understand When we choose to make him the king of our life, we will be involved in the church. But for him, there will be certain things we do and certain things we don't do. There will be certain joy that we have, and it comes out of our relationship with him. To avoid substitutes... Let me just quickly list four things. Number one, to avoid substitutes, I need a new heart. That means I need salvation. I am born into this world in sin. I am born at enmity with God, and I need spiritual life. I need a new heart, and only Jesus Christ can forgive my sin. He makes the foulest sinner clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. So I need a new heart. And I need to realize, secondly, my heart needs continual change because my heart is always prone back to the evil way. That I must see my daily need of Christ and His grace. It's not, oh yeah, I got saved. I got Jesus. I'm saved. No, I daily need His grace. I daily need Christ. I, I will dishonor Him. I will mock Him. I will be the king of my own life if I don't have Jesus. I must have Jesus. When we forget how desperate our condition really is, then we find a substitute 
for our dependence on God. Do you know how evil our heart is? Our heart wants to depend on anything but God. It wants to depend on church. It wants to depend on a list of rules. It wants to depend on feeling good. It wants to depend on getting help. It wants to depend on anything but God. That's a spiritual warfare. And Satan doesn't care if you come to this church but don't have a relationship with Christ. He says, I got him right where I want him. And that's the problem that we have in our churches today. That's the problem why Christianity is not a salt and light is because we have gotten involved in all these substitutes and we're not walking with God. We don't know Christ. It is not give me Jesus. We've forgotten how desperate our condition really is. If God lifted his hand from me, There's no telling the evils that spring from this heart and from your heart. God, I need you today. Sad to say, oftentimes in Christian circles, we're more concerned about changing the world than we are concerned with changing our hearts. If we'd change our hearts, the world would take care of itself. I tell you, when, when in Christian circles, the, the immorality alone in Christian circles, there's no hope for the world. I'm serious. There isn't. Until we change our hearts and it's, give me Jesus. I need Jesus. And then all the other things will come to light. Only a personal walk with Jesus Christ can change my heart. The only thing, church principles and rules and, and feeling good and friendships and accountability, you can work around any accountability any way you want. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying unless... Unless we have, give me Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Oh, I I go to church, Jesus. No, I didn't ask that. Oh, I, I feel so good. Man, that last service last week, or I listened to this the other day. Man, I was, I just felt one. No, I didn't ask that. Do you love me? Well, man, I have really enjoyed this study in the Bible. We're, we're going through the the book of Ruth, and man, it just opened things up. I am studying the Bible like never before. No, do you love me? Well, you know what? I, I, I love fellowshipping with your people. I love getting together and talking with them. I, I love, no, no, do you love me? Do we really love the Lord? If we really loved God, it would be evident. And that means that a personal walk with Jesus is the only thing that can change my heart. And that means that I must guard my heart, that I accept no substitutes. You know... Everything is trying to substitute for Jesus Christ and a lot of good things. 
but it's only Jesus. Nothing else. We substitute all these things, and I'm sure there are many, many more things. But until we come to realize, God, I need Jesus. I cannot do this. I cannot live the way I ought to live. I want a relationship with you and you alone. You are my life. That's what it comes down to. It's too easy for us to to tell people, this is what a good Christian does. Okay, that's what a good Christian, then I'm supposed to do that. But we still maintain control of our life. Give me Jesus means I give him control of my life. The burning passion of, of our heart should be, I want Jesus alone. Like Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would help us to see what substitutes we have brought into our life for you. And I pray that the burning passion of our heart would be for you and you alone. Lord, would you personally deal in our lives here today? I pray if there are individuals that have never received a new heart in receiving you, never received spiritual life because they've never turn from their sin and turn to you, Lord, I pray today they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. Then, Lord, I pray for every one of us as believers that we would be brought afresh to a relationship with you and that the burning passion of our heart would be for you and you alone. Lord, would you do a work in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.